Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed and fibre markets. My name's Olivia Agar and thanks for listening into episode 255. We're back this week with part two of our podcast share with Marcus Oldham Ag Talk. This week, David Cornish and Robert Herman are talking through some of the major trends and state of play for grain, oilseed and wool markets. A reminder, this episode was recorded in September, so keep that in mind while listening today. Now to the markets this week, and we saw another very healthy jump in the cattle market on the back of all those isolated storms through Queensland, New South Wales and the Northern Territory, which brought falls of up to 200 mils in parts and wide areas of over 50 mils. The Eki jumped 40 cents for a second week in a row. Northern feeder steer prices were also up 23 cents week on week on the back of tighter supply at sale yards. And there's a lot still to come by the look of the forecast for much of the east, which will pull up harvest. Grain quality might come into question. A really widespread and long-lasting rain event would typically see quality downgrades, which would lift milling wheat and malt barley prices, while feed values would usually be steady or ease. So we might see a similar sort of reaction this time. Internationally, though, the wheat market hit multi-month lows this week after continued pressure from the cheap Black Sea supplies and relief in the form of rain across parched soybean fields in Brazil. That's it from me today. I'll hand over to David Cornish and Robert Herman. Okay, so let's let's switch across a bit at the moment. We'll come back to wool, but um, I'm interested in, obviously, the grains and the oilseed market because that, that's a bit of a different story, isn't it, Robert? It is. It is. It's a great story. Um, I noticed, um, and I don't have the exact number, but our, our harvest is going to be back um, yep. on last year's record or the last two-year records. But that's to be expected because we do have dry areas. But we do have a lot of areas, and, you know, a good example is the Wimmera. Um, yeah. That is in – it's actually – the figures, the numbers are actually better than they were this time last year. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean the harvest is going to be bigger. There's still <laughs> we've still got a little way to go. But at the same time, you've got prices holding, you know, holding really well. And I think the grain producers are looking forward to – this harvest and, and thank, saying, you know, thank goodness um, we've just been blessed with another another reasonable year in a lot of areas. Yeah, uh, South Australia is in good good shape. WA is um, is having a it's a, it's a mixed bag over there. Uh, by and large, it's probably average. Yeah, don't mention that to more emates. They're, they're not happy at the moment. <laughs> right. Um, but I can tell you between uh, Skipton and and Glenn Thompson, it's looking pretty good, mate. I, <laughs> Very good. Yeah. From the right side. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So Ukraine, Black Sea, uh, that's obviously also adding to that. Uh, They they, they haven't resolved their their, their impasse at the moment. It's likely that's going to drag on. Even though that's probably going to lower end markets, I imagine that that has some impact on on premium uh, wheat markets as well. It it has some impact. It's very interesting. The, The majority of the wheat and corn exported, sorry, the majority of the, so most, corn's a big crop there now. Yeah. Uh, it was wheat until, you know, they got some modern farming practices, now it's corn. The majority of that corn goes to China and Spain and it gets fed to pigs. Yep. So there's a, there is a, so the world's not going to starve as a result of Ukraine, but I mean, that would be a line people would be using, so we need to get the grain out to the rest of the world to make sure people don't starve. 
However, on the on the China side front of things, you know, China has, you know, somewhere around half, 50% of the world's pigs. So they are very conscious of the cost of feeding them and the need to supply feed to them. So that could turn into a positive in that discussion of trying to get, you know, some sort of breakthrough in the getting the grains out of there. Um, but the Ukraine, I think 20% of their area is now in what's called um, disputed uh, occupied territories. Yes. <laughs> so there's not much cropping going on there. Yep. And the Ukraine planting this year is about 60%. What the, the planting of this year, which have just harvested, was about sixty percent of twenty twenty one area. Yeah. So, and and they're under pressure with price. You know, by the time they get it out and get it to um, it's uh, where it can get into the world, the world grain trade, they're looking at wheat at about one hundred and ten dollars US. Mm. So, mm. it's not good. Mm. Oil seeds. Yeah. Look, oil seeds. I don't know. There seems to be so much noise around oil seeds. You know, someone will say they're going to increase biofuels. Someone will say they're they're cutting back on biofuels. Look, it's it's pretty solid when you think about it. Canola is a relatively new crop in Australia, and um, you know we don't have to go back too far. To, we didn't see those fields of yellow. Yeah, but it has built a strong market. One of the um, Canada's uh, is drier, and of course they're the big players. The other thing that Canada did was they, I think it was, they increased by about 10% their crushing capacity because their view was that they wanted to take advantage of demand in um, in the US and, and, and South America. While they're the biggest player, you know, any movement, and that means any movements in what happens there has a big impact on the world. Mm, so, yep. yeah. And look, our canola's, I mean, the crops where they grow canola, the crops that we've seen, David, you know, you just couldn't wait to get into it. Seems it. a pretty robust from a price perspective crop, isn't it? I mean, I know it's sometimes difficult to grow, but it just seems to be fairly solid yeah. because of that. I don't know whether well, it's we're looking we're looking at you know seven hundred plus um, in Geelong now yep. for, for new crop. That's a that's a big number because you mm. don't have to go back too far. We used to be looking at five hundred and thinking yep. we're going okay. So yep. yeah, so it's it's done well as a as a commodity. Yeah, no, there's and no wonder people are getting out of sheep, but getting into canola. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, okay, right. not least but not last, my favourite wool as a broad wool producer. Now, yeah, let's start at the good end of the market, mate. Yeah. How's wool looking? Well, wool. It's interesting. MLA put out a report this week and uh, noted that that the. Eastern market indicator is now four and a half times the price of lamb, I think, or something. And it was last year it was two times. Yeah. And so that so MLA, if MLA are saying wool's going okay, yeah, it must be going okay. <laughs> but the the market is it's uh, it's back a little bit year on year, but you know it's it's that's wool, I guess. Yeah. But it will its um, future rests on global. Uh, economic activity, global GDP. If it's if it's positive and flying, wool's flying. Yeah. If it's not, wool struggles. It's a it's a discretionary spend. Yeah. So where and the world is. Yeah. Where is the world at the moment? It's interesting when you ask that question. That some parts are uh, okay, others uh, are not yeah. doing so easy. No, I I think it's a bit like um, 
<laughs> it's a bit like our seasons here. It depends where you are. Yep. It's patchy. Yep. I, but I also think there's a lot of nervousness yep. around. And, you know, when you've got things like a war going on and, you know, there's talk about the seasons and always sort of, everything just sort of seems to get a little bit compounded. And, and, the, and a lot of it is emotion, but wool rides, we're talking about wool here, wool market rides a bit on the emotional characteristics of the uh, consumer. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose I've got to ask the question, I know it's selfish, but is broad wool, wools on life support or is it that, as you've told me before, that the best cure for low prices is low prices. But I, I don't know whether we're going to – I'm worried that I'm, I'm waiting for that jump, mate. Well, we've seen in the last two or three weeks that the crossbred wools have, have found some support. It's interesting that there's some wool that's sitting around that's been there for a while. It's very hard to move, I've got to tell you, and that's being yeah, yeah. polite. And that's some of the – and those wools aren't that – attractive to anybody in, mm. in terms of processing. I think we're, we we had a um, we were down at Woolwick uh, two weeks ago and you know that question came up and there is a feeling that that markets are now uh, processors now looking at this and saying jeepers what can we do with this it's really cheap yep. and we know processors are very good at making sometimes making silk silk purses out of sow's ears. That may be what what happens to uh, save your crossbred wool market, David. Bit of blending, I, you reckon? I'm I'm still I've been around long enough to know yeah. that nothing's ever forever. Yeah. You know, nothing's ever fantastic forever, and nothing's ever terrible forever. And I can't see why this situation would be different. We didn't. Again, I don't think anybody saw it coming. Just as we can't sort of see where it's coming from in the next twelve months, but. Um, I'm sure you'll be fine eventually, David. Hang Thanks, mate. There. I'll keep focusing on it. Okay. <laughs> I want to go back to something you said. I think it's a really important point where I'd like to sort of leave the podcast. You mentioned about the number of times that we've had a, I think it was a 70% drop in prices or 70... Uh, 40, 40%. 42%. Drop in prices. It's happened three times in the last mm. three years? Over five years. Five years. So, yeah. But would I be wrong in saying, I, I get the feel with this one that... It, it, it's really flattened people more than I've, mm. I've I've noticed for a while, and you know we have been here before. And I, again, I'm old enough to remember when wool, the wool floor price was reduced and what it was like in the in, in the early 1990s. It was pretty bloody tough then, but it seems like we're entering a a, a similar phase with if we call it the vibe out there now that people seem to be I don't know just feeling pretty down about the whole thing. What are you getting? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's, again, I think it's a compounding effect. You know, we hear so much about the uh, the, the El Nino is going to arrive. And mm. we've been hearing this for a while and it hasn't. And there's factors in, you know, I'm not, I'm not a weatherologist or uh, anything like that, but there are reasons why we are where we are. But we keep hearing about that on top of the price going down. And we just know that in a drought our prices get hit as well. So, yep. I think people are putting two and two together and coming up with five, and and that's compounding the um, the, the the outlook that people have, and and causing that sort of you just noted it that despondence. I think one of the things we're trying to do in our conversations is we all this stuff we've talked about today is all well and good, David, but the the real where the rubber hits the road is 
how do you actually use this information? What decisions do you make on your farm? And, you know, that means you've got to actually have a look at yourself. You've got to have a look at your um, assets and you've got to have a look at your livestock. The season we're coming into is going to be tough. Yes. You know, the, the market's going to be a tough market. But we should be looking at our breeding flock and our breeding herd in light of how do we want it to look in 2025. Yep. Because we want to be flying, we want to, as a producer, we want to be flying when the market comes back and rewards us. And, I'm, and I think it will. Mm. I'm sure it will. So to do that, you, you need to be quite open as a, as a producer, whether you're an owner or a manager or whatever. You need to be quite open and talk to people, get the advice, use some of the people who come onto your farm as sounding boards. Don't bottle it all up and... Um, and, and, you know, batten down the hatches and, and work yourself into the ground thinking that's going to save you. This is a time of being, um, you know, the professional producers that we need and we know we've got out there. We need them to stand up not only to lead the way but also to help others around them. Robert, I think it's a really good take-home message and I appreciate your time today and uh, thank you once again and hopefully in the not-too-distant future when I get you back, we're talking about how, how good the prices are. So thank you. Especially the crossbred wool prices. <laughs> thank you, sir. <laughs>